welcome to the I'm Book Podcast. I'm April O'Leary, your host, and today we have David Hayward, also known as Naked Pastor. He was a pastor for over 30 years, and he started a blog in 2006 called Naked Pastor to talk about the realities of church and what goes on behind the scenes. And in 2010, he left the ministry to focus on Naked Pastor as his community was emerging around the world. And now it's his full-time gig. He's a cartoonist. He's a writer. He has lots of great things to share with us today, and I can't wait to introduce him to you. We talk about his work and how he got into writing and publishing and becoming successful with his brand and his message, Naked Pastor. Let's get started. Before we go into this episode, I want you to hop on over to O'LearyPublishing.com because we have a brand new website and a brand new author adventure for you. On the homepage, you can customize your author map. Each step of the way, you'll be guided with a short video instruction from me. It's totally free and you can see what it would look like for you to get started writing your book today. And at the very end, you'll get a customized email with a special surprise and I cannot tell you what it is. Plus, you will get a video thank you from me as well and a chance to schedule a publishing consultation. So I look forward to chatting with you, to seeing how you map your author adventure at O'LearyPublishing.com. Go do it. I dare you. Welcome back to the I'm Booked podcast. I'm April O'Leary, your host, and I cannot tell you how excited I am to have David Hayward, who's, this is just one of his books, Flip It Like This, on with me today. And you just heard his amazing bio. We connected through Instagram. I've been following for, for quite a while. And so I thought, let me just talk to him and welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Nice to meet you. And hello, everyone. Yeah. So we talk a lot around around here about writing and publishing, of course, mm-hmm. and writing from your experience. That's the most powerful place to write from and sharing the things that have transformed you. That's really what we're focused on here. I know a lot of our authors have that experience, um, not necessarily just around transforming their relationship with God, whatever that may be, but it could be a major tragedy that happened in their life. It could be a spiritual awakening. It could be, um, there was a gentleman we published a book for who uh, was falsely imprisoned. And then he came out and his book was called, it's actually behind me here, Escaping the Darkness, Overcoming Adversity. So, Hmm. you know, to use those experiences that transform you um, and paying it forward and sharing the message. So Tell us a little bit about your world as a pastor for many mm-hmm. decades. How did yeah. you get into the ministry initially? Mm-hmm. And what was your experience when you first got in? Okay, well, uh, it's <laughs> complicated. I, <laughs> Everything, I, right? Yeah, I, I, I kind of tripped into the ministry. My My intention was to become a New Testament scholar. I was deep okay. into original biblical languages like Greek and Hebrew, Aramaic, studying theological French, theological German. Uh, I was, I'd started my PhD in New Testament studies and so on and so forth, but <clears throat> we got pregnant and um, we were given an offer that we kind of couldn't refuse at the time. And that was to become uh, a student minister. Okay. Uh, then from there, I ended up getting ordained. And okay. In the Presbyterian Church in Canada, and then, um, long story short, I I served there for a while. Then I switched to a, a different denomination and finished out my days in the ministry there. Um, okay. I served for about three decades as a professional pastor, um, at, but I left the ministry in 2010. So, I'm, I'm married, three grown kids. You know. Um, I, I serve the church uh, in many different ways, uh, in many different places and denominations. And uh, but I, I I finally left the ministry in 2010, um, just because of things going on. And uh, I ended up again. Another long story short, I decided to see if I could make my blog Naked Pastor, which I'd been doing for about five years, 
a full-time gig and it eventually it worked out. So that's what I do all the time. Wow. So you had about five years of overlap between when you started your blog and when you actually left the ministry. Yeah. yeah officially. I, I, yeah, I I um I chose the name Naked Pastor because it was a pastor, but I wanted to um that was at the height of the blogging world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of pastors were blogging and I thought, well, I want mine to be unique. I want it to be a about I wanted it to be real, mm-hmm. raw and authentic. I wanted it to pull back the curtain for people to see what really goes on in the church, in the ministry, behind the scenes. Mm. And, um, that's why I called it Naked Pastor. It's just me being open and vulnerable and honest. And when I left the ministry, though, uh, five years later, I really struggled with whether or not to keep that name. But by that time, Naked Pastor become kind of world-renowned because of my cartoons yeah. and so on. And I decided, because a lot of people try to convince me, you know what, you might not be in a local church, but you certainly are like a pastor online, at least mm-hmm. And so I decided to keep the name Naked Pastor. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, I'm having fun with it and, you know, um, stirring things up. I love that. I love that about your cartoons. And for anyone who's listening who hasn't gone to Naked Pastor on Instagram, go immediately (laughs) and brace yourself with a laughter, you may cry, you may see all of the ways that the church has become something that the church was never meant to be. Mm. And that's one of the main messages I get out of what you're doing. And I love that. I think humor disarms people. Yeah, It helps us see the insanity of what is maybe uh, the off the beaten path way that Christianity has fallen into a lot of um, very toxic political ideology, um, mm-hmm. a lot of hate, a lot of division, mm-hmm. and to try to throw theology at theology, theology, you know, doesn't really necessarily work. Um, I was raised in this kind of Christianity, the f- really fundamental Christianity, going to church three times a week as kid. Is Sunday that all? morning. Yeah, yeah, that's all. That's all. It was just Sunday morning, <laughs> Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> memorizing the Bible. I could still quote chapter and verse, but I was marching for pro-life at age 10, right before I knew babies, how they were born, but I knew I didn't want to kill babies. Mm -hmm. I knew that being gay was not right. You know, that that was absolutely against God's plan and uh, that the earth was created in 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only been around for 10,000 years. Dinosaurs aren't real, that kind of thing. And be afraid the rapture is going to happen. So if I couldn't find my mom around the house, I thought the rapture happened and I was left, mm. you know, which is pretty scary. Yeah. Um, so for you, when you started this blog and you said you were going to show people behind the scenes, what it was like to be in a church, what did you talk about? I have been around churches and behind the scenes is a little scary. Well, that's what I talked about. I, that, that's one thing <laughs> I'm, that's April. April I've had terrible experiences at church. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Well, I have too, um, as, as a pastor and as a member. Um, like I, like I said, I just endeavor to be honest because people mistake my critique of the church and Christianity and whatever as hatred and wishing to ban it from the earth. But that's mm-hmm. that's not true. Like I value the church. I value healthy communities. Um, but my only beef is, can we please do it in a healthy manner? That's that's all I'm asking. So when when that's uh, kind of a big ask, by the way, that yeah, is a big ask. <laughs> but I would ask the same thing of a married couple uh, mm-hmm. or a young family, like be a family, but please do it in a healthy manner. Like don't raise a- damaged, you know, adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't abuse one another, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like that. That's all I'm asking, and so. I, I was just very honest about what I experienced behind the scenes because I I believe honesty is 99% of the cure. Is mm-hmm. It's like diagnosis. It's like a diagnosis. That's mm-hmm. half the battle is figuring out what's wrong so that, you know, you can do the prognosis and figure out how to fix it. So I... I, that's what I try to do is I try to diagnose what I think is happening that's not healthy. And then 
you know, sometimes I provide a, di- a prognosis, what I think we should do moving forward. Mm-hmm. Although a lot of people aren't open to that. So for example, for me, mm-hmm. I think a big step forward for, for the church would be to become completely affirming. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, a lot of the church, that's where exactly where it digs in its heels, unfortunately. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, actually, I'll give you a little bit of a reveal. So during COVID, um, before I started O'Leary Publishing, which was like at the end of 2018, we were working on our first couple of books. I'd already mm-hmm. done some books myself, you know, for my own business. I was a life coach prior. And um, mm-hmm. so we were managing a local church's social media blog. The pastor at the time was um, video recording, you know, just with like a webcam, not a webcam, like a camcorder. So mm-hmm. I taught him how to upload the video to Google Drive. So I wasn't like attending the church. They were just a client. So then when COVID came, I got asked to come in to help with live stream. So then one of the members paid to get like this big live stream thing installed. And then I got trained on it. So this was like, I haven't been in church. I didn't raise my kids in church. My kids are between 16 and 21, but now I'm going to church every Sunday for like probably over a year because I got sucked into running this live stream because I got trained on it. Right. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I'm sitting behind in this little live stream booth, listening to the pastor give a sermon. And I remember the thought coming to me where Peter says, help me in my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking to myself, help me in my unbelief. I just think I need to believe this here, but I didn't believe what was being said. Mm -hmm. And then my oldest daughter came out a few years back. And I remember point blank asking the pastor, you know, what if my daughter and her girlfriend wanted to get married? Would you be able to marry them? And he said, unfortunately, we don't, you know, it's not, it's not my authority to do it. something like that. And I knew at that moment, I'm like, I can't, even as a client, even though I'm here doing a job, being paid for a job, Mm -hmm. I can't be around people who can't support Mm -hmm. love Mm -hmm. in whatever form it takes. So I did, I left. um, And there were some other crazy toxic things going on behind the scenes that were just, you're like, people are worse in a church sometimes than in regular, the regular business world. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with you that that hurdle to becoming affirming, I just don't understand what the big challenge is, although it's people's interpretation of the scripture. Yeah. And yeah. so where do you say that they've misinterpreted where people that are so stuck in that mindset would be able to break free and see that their legality that around that is wrong? Yeah, I think. Yeah, in my opinion, as as things progress, and I do feel that there's progress, uh, although sometimes it 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 doesn't feel like it, or look <laughs> like it, especially in certain regions or states mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I believe conservatism conservatism is a reaction to progress, so. Mm. Let's let's imagine progress like um, the gas pedal, uh, and conservatism is the brake. Mm-hmm. The harder the we press on the gas pedal, the harder they break. Mm. And so that's why I I think we're seeing it, it, this sort of a reactionary, uh, incendiary reaction to to progress mm-hmm. uh, around the world. You know, mm. we're, we're seeing as as things progress, and maybe like like Canada, for example, pretty much conversion therapy is now illegal, and you know, other countries the same, and same sex marriages are being allowed, and um, uh, trans recognition of trans people, and etc. You're going to see more and more reactionary responses to that. That's what I think is happening. So it's mm. and it's not necessarily even related to scripture, in my opinion. Um, everybody interprets scripture the way they want to. So it doesn't, doesn't, you know, you can argue night and day over what a meaning of a verse is. It doesn't matter. It's how the person's going to interpret it or Mm -hmm. believe it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and that's why I think we're, we're seeing this sort of reactionary response, Mm. uh, and and sort of, uh, um, preying on people's fears and, and Mm -hmm. suspicions 
mm-hmm. and um, um, biases and prejudices, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fortunate. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and this is where I'm curious to go in your mm-hmm. uh, transformation of, of your life and how it happened. But right. I, the way I look back now and see the type of Christianity I was raised with, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Carol Dweck. Have you heard of that book, Mindset? Her book, it's not new. It's it's a very interesting, the concept that stuck with me, the executive summaries, there's people who are fixed mindset people and people who are growth mindset. And so the fixed mindset is the like way I was raised with Jesus is the only way. Mm -hmm. This is the prayer you say. This is how you get into heaven. This mm-hmm. is a book, you know, Noah actually built the ark with the nail and the hammer, you know, and, and everything was, so I'm coming to any conversation without any ears to listen because I already, why would I listen? I already have all the answers. Right. And then yeah. that's the fear is like the fear is if I open up and listen and think that maybe you have something to share, I, you know, it's like dismantling the ego or something. I don't know. But so mm-hmm. it's almost like it feels to me, almost sometimes impossible to talk to somebody who's stuck in that. Well, even Jesus said, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. It's almost like the people come ready to hear or, or ready to not hear. Uh, you know, it's, and isn't, what's that famous saying when the um, student is ready, yeah. the master appears. Yeah. And uh, th- that's the that's the way it is. Like, uh, and I I know that I know that from my own experience and from my my experience online and so on. I don't ever argue with people or get into a debate about you know LGBTQ rights or or you know equality or affirmation all that kind of thing because it's a waste of time and energy. And so I what I do is, though is provide safe spaces or try mm-hmm. to create safe spaces for marginalized people and that's Mm. that's what i i most enjoy and what works you know and you're so you've done it so beautifully so well and so when you were writing your blog and -hmm. you were still in the ministry Mm -hmm. were you as open as you are now or was it a process for you where you started to have like light bulb moments and you started to see these things are sort of out of out of alignment with where i'm growing what was your process of well opening yeah I was I was open from the beginning but you see that was back in the you know embryonic stage where I was flying under the radar like nobody nobody hardly anybody was reading my blog and um not even my own congregation they were like why would we want to read your blog we have to listen to you every week already you know (laughs) so (laughs) it's like I was under the radar, but then when I started drawing my cartoons and then my ideas were getting more and more out there and my cartoons were getting more and more out there, uh, that's when I started to get into trouble and I realized, okay, uh, there's a cost to being honest and authentic. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that, Mm -hmm. especially our LGBTQ family and friends. They know Mm -hmm. when you are your authentic self and, and when you want to be free to express that, there's a cost. And mm-hmm. even though I'm, you know, I'm married with kids uh, to a, a woman, etc., I know there's a cost to being authentic and and being free to express myself. And mm-hmm. and so, in in 2009, the warning signs started to appear. And sure enough, 2010, I left the ministry um, mm-hmm. because I had a choice to make: either conform or go free. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. I chose go free. And uh, and and still there's a cost. I know there's a cost. I'd, mm-hmm. I'll, you know, uh, I'll post a cartoon knowing I'm going to lose followers, knowing it's going to affect my the sale of my art and 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 mm-hmm. so on and so forth. I'm being kind of crass here, but I'm being mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. But it's true. I I I know that there's a risk every time I express my authentic self. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I'd rather be free than, than, um, trying to please everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were some of the costs that you would say you didn't expect that came because of your decision to be authentic and honest? Uh, how quickly people will elevate 
theology over relationship, mm. including family and friends. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah. you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Even if you are my, whatever, you know, friend yeah. or brother or whatever. Uh, and that, because for me, um, community, fellowship, unity, uh, togetherness, connectivity mm -hmm. is, is the fullest expression of love. Mm -hmm. And um, to see that kind of ideology and behavior mm -hmm. uh, is heartbreaking, especially mm -hmm. when you experience it full, firsthand. I mean, mm -hmm. I see it all the time every day in the lives of others. Every mm -hmm. day I hear from people who've been rejected and cast out, mm -hmm. uh, expelled, excommunicated, marginalized, and um, forgotten. And it's heartbreaking. But I've experienced that too myself in, mm -hmm. in many ways from uh, certain family and friends and churches and, you know, groups, whatever. And, but that's, you know, that's the cost of being um, free to ex be express, to be and express your most authentic self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when you say that, it reminds me of the prophet is never welcome in their hometown. Mm -hmm. And my experience in some things when I've had some changes, bigger changes, the people that are closest to you are least likely at times to embrace you in this new chapter. Mm -hmm. And so it almost becomes this lonely vacuum for a little while. At least yeah. that's been my experience where, and then the new, new you, whatever version that is, attracts different people who now are more like you. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like mourning what was, you know, that happened to me when I quit drinking. <laughs> All the people I hung out with that I thought were great friends, you know, you'd think they'd be excited that you made some good life change and it just doesn't really work out that way. Um, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've attracted a lot of new, great, authentic people that also don't drink <laughs> who would have never wanted to hang out with me before. So, Hey, you know, yeah, um, so, so for you, um, as you were doing your cartoons and your blog, um, how did you make the bridge into publishing? What was that journey like for you? Well, um, if any of your listeners are writers, I have some great advice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so most of my books are actually compilations of, of, of blog posts, mm -hmm. So, which like I, I actually had somebody say to me, I've had a few people say this to me, well, you didn't really write a book. You just put together blog posts. I'm like, well, excuse me. I wrote the blog posts. Yeah. I wrote them every day. Uh-huh. That's how art authors work. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and so basically that's what I recommend to writers is just write every day. Uh, I started cartooning in 2006. I just thought I'd give it a shot, see if it would work. Um, cause I was an artist already and I really love a good cartoon. And I thought, why don't I try cartooning, see what happens. And I challenged myself to draw a cartoon every day until I ran out of ideas. I thought I would last a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but here I am 18 years later, still drawing cartoons every day. And mm -hmm. that gives me the arsenal to collect some of my best of cartoons, which you just held up the book moment, a moment ago, flip it mm -hmm. like this, which is a compilation mm -hmm. of my best of cartoons over the years. And I had to, I had to distill that down from 4,500 cartoons to about 130 cartoons. So that was hard work. But oh yeah, there's so many good. I mean, every one is a good one. I mean, and here I'm like, how did you even? How did you decide what to not put? Yeah, exactly. It was it was, it was a challenge, but I had an editor um, helping me out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's how I and I've I've written other books too that aren't just pictures. Um, mm -hmm. And and it, they're from like for example, I wrote a book called Without a Vision, My People Prosper, and that's basically about the danger of visionary thinking in the church and how mm. it can control community but that's mm. that was just a collection of a bunch of blog posts you know mm -hmm. uh, heavily edited and manipulated but um that's that's how i came up with that book questions mm -hmm. are the answer uh even though it's like a memoir um that that was also 
um, I, I talk a lot about questioning. A lot of my cartoons are about questionings and the validity of it, the necessity of it. And that's how I came with, up with that book. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, um, to the writers out there, just write, a, even if it's a paragraph every day, and you'll be surprised. It won't be long. You'll have a book. That is true. That is true. And I just gave a talk last night to a local ladies networking group about seven simple steps to writing a book. Yeah. And one of one of the things is you don't wait till you're inspired. It's like working out and saying, I'm going to wait until I really feel like I want to go on a run. It's like, it's never going to happen. You have to just put your gym shoes on, go out the door, set your timer, you know, set your watch to go off and just make it a habit. Yeah. Um, so when you were um, about to do, you know, your first book, because a lot of our authors are confused at times about traditional publishing and independent publishing versus just do it all yourself. Were you working with an agent? Did you write a book proposal? Did you have a publisher pitch you about an idea? How did that work for you for your very first book? So I have 10 books out at this time. Um, and one, two of them are uh, published with mm -hmm. a publisher. Mm -hmm. and the rest are self-published mm -hmm. um and the uh, and I'm, I'm working on another book now actually it's a children's book and it's the mm. project I've ever taken on uh but um they all approached me but that's after I've been you know I had about five or six books out already right my own and my you know I have quite a following on Instagram for example mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that always helps so but my first book was just me self-publishing mm -hmm. and uh so what I what I tell people now who are um interested in writing a book or discouraged they're writing a book and very discouraged I'm like and and they're kind of wishing I wish I have a publisher uh I want to clarify something in both cases, whether you're self-publishing or uh, getting your book published by a, an imprint. Um, you, the, these days, most publishers, if not all, depend on you for the marketing. Mm -hmm. yeah, so having a following and so on is, is, is really important. And you'll have, you'll have to work just as hard to, market a published book as you would a self-published book mm -hmm. <laughs> that's been my experience mm -hmm. and um so basically it, a, a few things are the same is you 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 have to write your book you you try to meet a deadline you you work on your design um you run it through an editor even if you're self-publishing find an editor um and then you publish your book and then you start marketing your book and see, hopefully see some income trickle in. The mm -hmm. difference with a, a publisher though, is you might, you, you ought to get an advance and that's nice. And then, you know, if your book does well, you might see royalties down the road. Um, mm -hmm. But that, again, that, that kind of is looks like self-publishing when you're getting royalties down the road. But mm -hmm. that advances one difference that a publisher provides that self-publishing doesn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing, and I love that you said that marketing is up to you. I tell a funny story that when I was writing my very first book back in 2012, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know anything about publishing. And at the time, I thought my book would be perfect for Hay House. Are you familiar with Hay House? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to a writer's workshop they had up in Tampa that was put on by Reed Tracy, their CEO, and Wayne Dyer was there, and Cheryl Richardson, who was one of their most popular female authors at the time. And I had mm -hmm. my manuscript in my bag, and I thought I was going to like hand it off to them. And the whole thing at the end of this whole writer's workshop, it came down to build your platform. Like you said, it's a traditional publisher is interested in how are you going to sell your book. Like you yeah. said, the marketing, and if you only have 50 followers on Instagram, they're like, there's no way this guy's going to be able to sell a book, right? So 
where authors spend their time marketing or how they can attract a traditional publisher versus independent publishing. We sat, we sort of fall in the middle. We help people who don't necessarily have the skills or want to publish every, do the whole project themselves. We help them do that. Um, but we don't work with literary agents and we don't acquire, you know, large mm -hmm. Instagram, you know, we do have a, actually a pretty significant um, Instagram influencer right now that we're publishing in early August. Um, but that's because she wants her, the independence yeah. <laughs> of being able to monetize her own audience, which she's worked very hard to build. So, um, yeah. and I've no doubt she will, but it's just, a, publishing is a very interesting journey. And I love that you've done both. You've done self and you've done some traditional. Do you prefer one over the other? How would you say your experience was? And you said you're working on a children's uh, book. Are you doing that independently or are you doing no, that with the publisher? Uh, a children's book publisher reached out to me. And I'm I'm very honored because Naked Pastor is kind of an edgy mm -hmm. uh, presence, mm -hmm. but funny and affirming and loving and gentle. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I hope I think they saw that and want that in a book. So mm -hmm. it's going to be about a rainbow sheep. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, I love I love but your rainbow sheep. Yeah, I do too. A lot of people do. So that's why they approached me and asked if I could do a rainbow sheep um, children's picture book. So I'm I'm not only the writer, but I'm the illustrator. So that's that's awesome. Do you have a title I, yet? Hmm? Are you allowed to say? Do you have a title yet? Are you allowed to say? I don't have a title yet, but I am come. The story's coming together. Okay. We're gonna have to wait for that though. <laughs> okay, I can't wait. That but, sounds amazing. Will be rainbow. I'm only kidding. I think that's amazing, and I love it. I was just showing. I was at an appointment this morning. We we're talking about podcasts, and I, I showed this gal who I was in an appointment with, um, mm -hmm. one of your cartoons where Jesus has the rainbow sheep over his shoulder. Right. Right. And then yeah. there's the whole grouping of white sheep. Yeah. And I was explaining to her because the scalp was not raised with the Bible. I said, do you know the, the story about Jesus leaving the 99 yeah. to go fight? She's like, no, I've never heard of that. Wow. <laughs> so, she was, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I said, well, basically you get the point that Jesus is about, you know, loving all. And the mm -hmm. sheep were like, no, we kicked him out. You know, I'm like, isn't that just so profound? You know, uh, I just heard yesterday that Cormac McCarthy died. Do you know who that is? I don't. He he wrote No Country for Old Men. And oh yeah, I saw that movie movies. actually. Yeah, well, yes. The Road. Uh, uh -huh. And he's he actually is, I did read that book No Country for Old Men. Now that you say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Blood Meridian. You know mm -hmm. he he's a probably one of the top. American authors of all time, like he's, he'll go down in history for sure. Uh, and I was really disappointed to hear that because I just read his first installment of a trilogy. Mm. So I don't know where that's going to go. Mm. Um, anyway, he, uh, he was a writer for like over 27 years. Mm -hmm. He published several books, I think something like five to seven books. And they didn't hardly make a splash at all. He might've sold three to 5,000 books each, which, you know, that's a feat in itself. It's hard to sell 5,000 books, but mm -hmm. uh, for Cormac McCarthy, you know, he he only sold that many books for, so he's he was a struggling author for almost 30 years. Mm. And um, No Country for Old Men, I think it was, or no, maybe it was All the Pretty Horses uh, came out and that put him on the map. And then everybody went back into his archives and, and yeah. they all got famous as well. And then he's became one of America's greatest authors. So that that to me is, you know, just goes to show you can be one of the greatest artists or creators out there. And you, you might just have to slog away for a long, long time um, before your your book gets seen or your art gets seen or whatever right so that is so true yeah. and you know how many how many artists do we know that died penniless like yeah. van gogh i believe did yeah. and yeah. I if just, only I, he would have known how amazing and yeah. valuable his work really was during his lifetime 
Um, the thing is, like I, I just ordered, in fact, I just got it in the mail, his letters, uh, Vincent van Gogh's letters. Mm -hmm. and, and there he's talking with his brother's Theo, his brother Theo, um, who was a, a big supporter of his and um, just saying, I know these paintings are good. Um, and one day they're going to be worth something, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So he knew it. And that's mm -hmm. why he kept at it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's like me, like I, I feel like I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound egomaniacal or anything like that, but I, I feel like I'm doing some good work in the world. You're doing very and, great work. And I, I believe it. And I think some of my cartoons are good and some of my paintings are good and I'm making a difference in people's lives. And, you know, I'm, I'm not rich by any means. I struggle. I'm a struggling artist from year mm -hmm. to year, but um, I'm having fun doing what I do. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the greatest payoffs, one of the greatest rewards isn't money, but um, seeing that I'm, you know, encouraging people. And, you know, I think that the cool thing about art or with writing books, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. Because there could be, you know, someone who, Mm -hmm. leaves the church that's a big name and discovers your work and tweets it out or takes a picture of themselves on Instagram. And like you said, it's just the same way um, where that's how Colleen Hoover, what happened to her? Do you, have you heard of her? She's a newer, uh, she's a, okay. So I have three, three daughters. My youngest is 16 and they're all on TikTok. And okay. so, you know, the whole thing, book talk, right? Yeah. And so some teen girls started book talking and showing her cover of a couple different books. And then it caught on like wildfire. And so she went from, you know, self-published, largely unknown, you know, with some successes to now, I think, gosh, a month ago or so I saw on the New York Times bestseller list, she had the top eight of 20 spots. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. is right. I mean, it's what What's she- Colleen Hoover. Colleen Hoover. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's just the magic of just keep writing, just keep promoting and sharing. And it could be a 14 year old girl on TikTok <laughs> who shares your book with her for other 14 year old girls. And, uh, you know, you just never know the magic and what can happen. So wow. I'll tell you right before we end here, I had this idea. Okay. Because one of the things that scared me as a kid was the rapture. And yeah. it was always the, you know, I love one of your cartoons. It's the reverse rapture. <laughs> it shows the, the clothes getting sucked up to the sky and the people are standing there naked, like what's happening. I just thought that was, it's so funny to me, but. Um, I have another mom, one too. Have you seen my left behind one? Yes. With the arrow on the left behind. I yeah. love. Yes. <laughs> so fortunately my mom doesn't listen to this podcast or I wouldn't say this, but um, she doesn't even know what a podcast is. So. I, I was at her house recently and she still is stuck sort of in this thread and yeah. she listens to some people like, I don't know if you know, Dr. David Jeremiah is, she gets his stuff. And so it was on her kitchen table and it was open. It was a monthly glossy magazine from the, you know, yeah, uh, from the ministry, uh, from the ministry. I, I had to go get my barf bag. I'm sorry, but um, it was the 10 signs. The rapture is imminent. You know, and it's that even, even reading it, it sort of just gives me anxiety, but of course they do the alliteration, you know, where every single one is like the same letter, you know, and it's the same. So I'm like, this guy's recycling what I heard in the eighties when I was in church and I was afraid of. Yeah. So I think there needs to be 10 signs. The rapture's not happening. <laughs> okay. I'll write that down. <laughs> like help me dispel my fear and laugh at all that because it's not I remember though the moment I was driving in my car and I had this thought what if Jesus isn't the only way and I remember feeling like oh, I don't want I, I'm sorry God I didn't mean to think that I hope that my salvation isn't you know over you know that kind of thing and it is it's there's a lot of anxiety and fear producing um like you said the brake pedal and I thought that was a great way to put it it's the fear of moving ahead. So mm -hmm. they're trying to put the brakes on. So thank you for sharing that. Um, it's scary so, when, we, when, when we're progressing or, you know, um, growth, 
means just like a child when they grow into adolescence and then teen years and young adulthood and then adulthood and everything your your mind changes you have to change the way you think mm -hmm. and it's the same with our spirituality we can't mm -hmm. we can't stay the way we thought when we were first introduced to the spiritual world mm -hmm. we need to change our thinking we need to change our theology mm -hmm. our and that's that's a scary process especially when all of religion um, fearfully makes us uh, think that we we can't change what we've been taught. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it is a a, a, a really it's because there's eternal consequences hey, if you change yeah, your right. thinking. Yeah, I mean you don't you don't want to get up to the pearly gates and then say, well, you had it right for the first part of your life, but sorry. Yeah. <laughs> One of my, one yeah. of my cartoons is uh, uh, Peter is standing at the pearly gates and uh, there's a man standing in front of him and Peter says, it says here you're an atheist. And the guy says, was. He changes or not, so we'll see. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I love it. You know, it's... Um... It's such a, what do they say? Tangled web we weave or something like that. Yeah. You know, all of this stuff. And, and I feel like as a parent and you said you have kids, adult yeah. children now, yeah. um, because my husband, I mentioned was Catholic and I was Protestant and we really didn't agree on where to raise them. Yeah. And so we didn't do anything. And now I look back at that was the biggest blessing. I feel like I gave them the gift of no spiritual chains. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's great, you know, um, but, but here's the thing. Our kids were raised in the church. They're all PKs, preacher's kids, mm, pastor's mm -hmm. kids, and there's missionary kids. And there's all kids, atheists who were raised in atheist homes who decide to become believers. And there's like, like we all figure it out. And so that's mm -hmm. what I'm about. I'm, I'm trying to say, Hey, listen, you have the right to be spiritually independent. Take the wheel of your life now um, mm -hmm. and start. go where you want to go. Be who you mm -hmm. want to be. Mm -hmm. Make your decisions. Be autonomous. Be self-determining. That's your right and your responsibility and your reward for mm -hmm. being a human being and for being an adult. You get to decide how to be spiritual. And so that's that's what I try to hammer home. I love it. And I think also it seems to me that what you hammer home is take take the driver's seat, but don't hurt other people in the process because spirituality is not about you're better than someone else or someone else has to change, or I need to get them to change or mm -hmm. any of that. Exactly. That's missing the boat. Yeah. Yeah. Loving all. And wouldn't that be the easiest way to be love? You know, love is the highest energy vibrational level, apparently according to energy testing. So why would we not focus on that? I don't know. I know it's um, seems simple, right? It's simple, but um, there's people who can't understand what love is. Love is like, well, even Jesus said, um, you know, justice falls like rain on on everyone, and like sun, it falls on everyone. And I don't know if they knew about gravity back then, but gravity <laughs> pulls in everyone. It's indiscriminate. Love is indiscriminate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh because it it includes everyone and it's the people who try to divide and separate and center themselves and exclude others who are actually excluding themselves because they're not participating in what i feel is a universal energy or process or reality actually and that is that lo love is what binds us all together mm. that's the clue and it's not agreement or you know compatibility or anything like that it's love and when you see if if people understood that about love then that would take away all the i think the toxicity of ideology and you know division and war and you know greed and all those things right and and it would make the world a better place i really do think that mm -hmm. call me naive mm -hmm. No, I think I, I'll vote for you. Can you run for president? 
So what was that? <laughs> I'm Canadian. Oh my goodness. I knew I, I heard the accent. I was thinking maybe Minnesotan. No, I'm Canadian. Still got, you got the O. Yeah. So you're, you're in summer. Are you in summer now or is it still yes, cool for you? Summer. No, it's beautiful right now. Okay. For about a week. No, I'm only kidding. Yeah. We yeah. Have a, we have a beautiful, uh, we're on the river. Oh yeah. Look at that. And nice green grass, the soft green grass. Yeah. So nice. Beautiful. I don't know why I didn't know you were in Canada. I guess I didn't look you up on the map, but well, I appreciate you so much. American. Yeah. What but was that? My wife is American. Oh, okay. We met in Springfield, Missouri at a Pentecostal Bible college. And um, although she's Canadian now, uh, dual actually. And so all our kids are dual because they have a, a Canadian father and a, an American mother. So we have two boys who live in the States right now. And uh, our daughter lives near here. Gosh, you dropped the Pentecostal bomb at the end of the interview. I I migrated into the Pentecostal uh, church in college and I was going to be a missionary and which, I did. Which, huh? uh, which college? Well, I was going to be a missionary and I was, I had dropped out of regular college. I'd met a guy and not my, who's not my husband. My husband now is not that person. Um, and I was going to go to the Jerry Seville Bible school. Do you know who Jerry Seville is? He is like a, I don't even know if he's still around. I haven't looked him up in 20 years hmm. or more in the same vein as like a Kenneth Copeland. Okay. Yeah. I know all of them. Or Oral Roberts. Yeah. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got more than the t-shirt. Yeah. And you I got, got the slain in the, I've been slain in the spirit t-shirt. <laughs> I've got so many stories. I, I just have so many stories. Yeah. Oh, the Pentecostal church, that's where Lisa and I met. Uh, she came from a Pentecostal church down in Alabama. Holiness. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I'm talking. Wow. Then, uh. Uh, I was from Pentecostal Church, Canada, and uh, I went to Bible College in Central, uh, to Central Bible College, Springfield, Missouri, and that's where she went, and that's where we met, and um, yeah, uphill wow. from there. Yeah, so wow. yeah, a, lot, a lot of Pentecostal, um, then Presbyterian, and then Vineyard. I don't know if you've heard of Vineyard. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that's where I finished. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a little, that's a, that's, I mean, to go from Pentecostal to Presbyterian is a pretty big step. Yeah, but see, like I said, uh, I was baptized Anglican and then we moved around a lot. So we weren't devoted to any one denomination. We float around. So I never felt devoted to any one denomination or any loyalty to any one denomination. And so I went to where I felt most comfortable and where we were happiest. So you know, it was Pentecostal, maybe Baptist, then it was Presbyterian, and then then uh, Independent, then Vineyard, you know, so, yeah. Do you go anywhere now? No. I go to Bedside Tabernacle. Okay, I've and, seen some of your yeah. cartoons, that's perfect, yeah. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Pillow, and we sing Bringing in the Sheets. I yeah. love that, that's good. <laughs> yeah, well, I've made friends with a, a few people at the Unitarian Universalist Church, which I do oh, I like, and I, I do, I do, I do find that interesting. It's different because it's more socially justice oriented, and yeah. they're not at all dogmatic about anything. A lot of atheists there actually, yep. and agnostics and whatever. It's not yeah. really their main purpose. It's just like, yeah, freedom, respect, love for all. I like that. I can get behind that. Yeah, I um, there's a there was a universalist church here, and we went there for a while, and then it ended up closing. But yeah, we we enjoyed it there and met some cool people. Yeah. Um, Sunday mornings now, I I'm usually drawing my sexy Sunday cartoon. I've seen them, which I think is so great. I love it. You know which one I love is the the one, and I think you posted it recently. And the two girls are in bed. Yeah. And they say, "Should we go to church this morning? Just pretend we're friends." <laughs> again or something <laughs> yeah it's like oh that's so good i see what i'm doing there is i'm gonna post one every sunday um for like a couple of years and then mm -hmm. i'm a book of sexy sunday cartoons so i love that yeah. so good 
Well, thank you so much for your time. I know we went way over a half an hour, but this has been so interesting and you just have such a gift. I think that the way that you're delivering the message of love is beautiful. Um, I think that the way that you are disarming people and allowing them to think differently about their faith through mm -hmm. cartoons is mm -hmm. just a real gift and it is a ministry. Thank you. And and uh, I'm glad I'm glad that we connected. I'll continuing to follow you and share you share your posts with my friends and and our community here at I'm Booked. And yeah. what would be the best way for people to follow you outside of Instagram for sure? And I'll put that in the show notes at Naked Pastor. Um, but what else yeah. would you say? I'm Naked Pastor everywhere online. Um, okay. Make sure you Google naked pastor as one word. If you Google two words, you will see naked pastors. So, wow, you know, okay. Yeah, so just letting you know, but nakedpastor.com is my base camp. And then from okay. there, find naked pastor all over the internet, including YouTube. So, and I'm really good. If you reach out to me for any reason, um, either through a direct message or an email or whatever, I'm really good at responding. I can attest to that. He is good at responding. I appreciate you responding to the request to be on the podcast. And well, thank you so much for your time. I, yeah, I feel like we have tons to talk about. So it's, it's yeah, good. I would say, I would say there is uh, a whole arena of topics <laughs> that, that could be subjects for another podcast for sure. But yeah. I will keep following you and keep sharing what you're doing. And thank so you much. for your time today to be on this. And thank you for all the work you're doing too. Make us a more unified world because isn't that the point? Yes, and I'll is. look for those signs the rapture's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> Cartoons at some point in the future. So yeah. I could stop having any anxiety that, you know, maybe someday the horn's blowing and I'm not hearing it or something. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Take okay. care. Bye. What a great time we had today with David Hayward. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to support his work by purchasing his books, his art, and more. You can do that at nakedpastor.com. And thank you, David, for your time today. It was amazing having a conversation with someone who has taken their faith and used it for good in the world to support, love, and unify all humans. So we appreciate that. That is a rare quality, and we recognize that here at O'Leary Publishing as we try to publish voices that matter, that are about unifying and changing the world. If you thought about being an author, we encourage you to take our author quiz at O'LearyPublishing.com where you can answer nine simple questions, and we will give you a roadmap on what it means and how you can become an author. Have an amazing day, and thank you for being here at the I'm Book Podcast.